Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Creekwood is growing and we are so excited about the Future West Campus. If you're interested in learning more about the building project, visit creekwoodchurch.com beyond or click the Beyond button on the Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Good morning, Creekwood. How's everybody doing? Yeah, y'all enjoying the last couple days of the Texas heat? Come on. Can we be that lucky? I'm so ready for fall to be here. I'm excited. I thought it was here. And then Texas does what it does and summer comes back and we all sweat a little bit more. Just can't let go, can it? And to, uh, I want to talk briefly about the video that you just watched. We had an amazing uh, amazing group of women go to Costa Rica uh, about a week, two weeks ago. They got back this past week, uh, heard amazing, amazing things about this trip. There was 10 women that went, served with one of our ministry partners there, Pastor Roy Soto. Uh, if you have been around for very long, you've heard, we've shared some videos from him and some messages from him. They are uh, doing a great work there in Costa Rica and uh, talking and hearing from some of the people that went on the trip, one of the women described it as uh, like a vacation with Jesus. Uh, I thought it was a cool way to describe a missions trip. And then someone else also said that they were impacted more than they impacted others. And I've had the opportunity to go on a number of missions trips. And that has been my experience every single time that I have gone is that uh, you may go like this group did and they painted and they served and they worked with the women and they, they served uh, in a homeless street ministry and, and they went and they worked and they served their hearts out. But in the middle of it all, God does something in you that you could never imagine, that you could never script, um, that you could have never made happen on your own. And can I just encourage you, if you have not been on a missions trip ever, or if maybe it's been a long time since you've been on one, make it a priority to go on a missions trip. Uh, our, our trips for next year will be available here towards the end of the year, very start of this coming year. There's international options. There's options here in the States. And then we even have weekly serving opportunities right here in our area. And there's something powerful that happens when we go and we see Jesus working in someone else's reality. And we can be just a really small part of that uh, because we get so used to what we see every single day. I promise you, you won't regret it and your life will be impacted for a long time. Uh, also, we got a packed house. Love seeing everybody in church. Uh, if you want to not have to fight the crowds, quite so much. Uh, we have a little bit more space in our 8.30 and then also in our 11.30 service. Uh, still very well attended, man. We've so good to see so many people engaged in services, but we do have a little more space for your children and in the parking areas and then here in the auditorium as well. So if, if you would like to do that, I want to invite you out to that. Uh, it would help us, but uh, if this is the only one you can go to, man, y'all be here, be in church by all means. So last weekend, something big happened in our family, happened in our household. Uh, my son turned two years old. Uh, so we threw him a big birthday party on Saturday of last week. And some of y'all, I've been talking with people and some people are like, oh, get ready. Here come the twos. And then other people are like, it's the best time ever. So we'll see where we land on this. 
But this birthday party, um, my wife is very creative and she loves to party plan and be creative. And I have to be careful what I say, she's sitting over here. Um, She did last service, so I gotta say whatever I wanted. But I told her going into this birthday, I said, hey babe, this doesn't need to be as big as the one-year-old birthday. It can be a little bit more simple. Y'all, we had decorations everywhere. It was all themed. We even had a stoplight like a three light stoplight in our kitchen. I'm dead serious. It, 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 was, it was great. We had a fun time. It turned out amazing though. It was beautiful. She, she did an incredible job with it. Um, we had a lot of fun celebrating him with family and close friends. But there is so many details that go into a party, right? The, we had all the decorations and right about the time that we thought we had the decorations, we ran out of something, had to go get more. Uh, we had to get the, the house ready, get the yard ready because the birthday party was in the backyard. And so the yard's gotta look good and all of this. And of course, we did it over lunch. So we had to provide lunch and then we grilled hamburgers and hot dogs. And then you realize, oh, well, we may not have enough hot dog buns. We need to get more. Oh, wait, we didn't get all the condiments. We got to go back to the store. And it, I took off work, y'all, for three days going into this party. And I worked nonstop going into this party. And isn't it funny how really good things in our life, like a birthday party for for a child, um, and so many other things in our life Um, can feel like a battle at times, right? And and it can be the good things and the bad things, but it can feel a little bit like a battle, just like going to the store and then realizing you didn't get it all and you gotta go back to the store and you gotta do it again. Going to work can feel like a battle. Going to school, even getting to church can feel like a battle, right? Some of you, you battled on the way to church with your kids or your spouse can feel like a battle, Getting your kids up to get anywhere can feel like a battle. Just life in general can feel like a battle. Again, in the good things and in the really, really hard, life-shattering, unexpected things. But according to scripture, we have one offensive weapon that we as believers can use, and that is shown to us in, in a passage out of Ephesians chapter 6, Um, where God's word talks about the armor of God. And in verses 10 through 20, scripture lays out our armor, our defense system as believers. And what do we have available to us? But there is one offensive weapon that we are given. And here's what that passage says about that offensive weapon. It says that offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. As you can see on the screen behind me, we are starting a series today called The Holy Bible. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about this. What does it mean for our life? What does this book have as an impact for our life? What truth can we find from this? And what we wanna do in this series is whether you are brand new, never accepted Jesus Christ, first day in church ever, or you've maybe been in church for your entire life, you were born into church and you are a seasoned adult and you've, you've heard more messages and read your Bible more than anybody else you know. Well, our goal in this is to talk about what answers do we find in this? What truth do we find in this? How do we interact with this 
on a daily basis. And my prayer is that whether you're that brand new person or someone that's interacted with God's word for years and years and years, that you would have a fresh excitement and a fresh passion for what this can be in your life. And I wanna start by helping us all understand God's word and some things that maybe serve as roadblocks to us engaging with God's word. You know, and I grew up in church and I grew up in a family that I remember at a very young age reading the kids' Bible with all the pretty illustrated pictures. We'd have like family reading time in the evening and my brother and my parents and I, we would sit down and, and we'd read a, a story before we would go to bed. And so it's been a part of my life from the very beginning but there's some things that just every time I come back to them, they amaze me about God's word. The first is just some of the facts. And I love facts. I love researching and I love uh, kind of debating and proving a point about something. But I love the facts of that God's word is written, was written over a time period of 1500 years. In dozens of countries across three continents, it was originally written in primarily two languages, the Old Testament in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. 40 different authors. Some were scholars, some were priests, some were tent makers, tax collectors, my favorite, fishermen, shepherds, doctors, people from all walks of life wrote God's word, wrote our Bible, but how does it all from cover to cover not contradict itself? How is there one message that points us towards the coming of Jesus and then how we interact in our life with him? How does all of that happen and it all have that one message and how does it all make sense? And the answer is found here in that there's only one author but how do 40 people write it? And then how is there only one author? I wanna to read to you a very pivotal scripture that we believe about God's word. It's 2 Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17. And it illustrates this point in a very good way. It starts off by saying, all scripture is breathed out by God. And we see this idea of God's hand on scripture all throughout the Bible. And it's this idea that even though a man may have penned it, so a person wrote these words out, that God was directing that, that he was breathing those words, that he was the one giving what was written down. And because of that, verse 16 goes on to say, scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, right? So that means God's word, not only is it something that he himself breathed out and he pinned, literally put the subject matter into place, but it's something that works in our life. It's something that if we will let it, will equip us for every area of life in our relationships, in our jobs, in the spiritual attacks and the struggles that we face in life. And I wanna 
talk about and unpack several areas that contribute to us being able, or having a hard time of being able to view God's word and to read it and to ingest it into our life. And some things, some roadblocks, if you will. You know, some people uh, find it hard to understand because of how the Bible's grouped, how it's grouped. It reads very different if you've never read it than a, than a normal book in that you open it up and there's all different types of literature in it and it's not done in chronological order. You don't just open it up and start at the beginning and that's like you started in the year 2020 and then when you end, you're in the year 2022, right? That's how most of our books work. But it's actually laid out, it's actually laid out by type of literature and, and kind of the Old Testament one time period and the New Testament another time period. And so you start off and you get into the law. You get into then history books and even some poetry books. You get into some prophecy books. And then you move from the prophecy books and you get into the gospels, which are four accounts, four eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. And then it goes into the Gospel of Acts, which is a historical account of the early church, of where all of this and the idea of church started. Then it gets into the epistles, the letters that were being written. And we, we spend a lot of time as a church in these epistles because these are the letters from the disciples, from the early believers about how, how do we live our life to follow this guy, Jesus, that just came and died and gave his life? How do we as a church um, how are we supposed to pursue him and encourage one another? And how do we do these things? And then it ends with a book that scares a lot of us. And that's the book of Revelation because it's a prophecy about the end times. And so how do you, as a person, how do you interact with this? And I think one of the things that makes this really hard is actually the fault of pastors and preachers and communicators is because there's no way that any of us could ever sit here and go, okay, let's open up to Matthew and we're gonna read the whole book and try to understand the whole book. We'd be here for like all day, right? So what we do is we take and we take a topic, today the Holy Bible, and we're gonna pull passages throughout scripture out of it to show you that these ideas and these themes are not just found in one area, but they're found across God's word as a whole. But the danger in that is that we get used to pulling one little verse out and looking at that one little verse. And if we, that is all we do and we don't look at the Bible and the message of the Bible in its entirety, then we can really get to a dangerous place really quickly. Because if I just look at one phrase or one sentence, I can make this book say whatever I wanna make it say. And that's a dangerous place to be. And what I wanna do today is help you kind of get to how do we look at this in its entirety. So understanding that it's grouped differently is one way. The second one is a word that you may or may not have heard. It's a word called context. It's a word called context. And the context is simply this, the world in the time within which the author is writing the text, writing the message. So what I mean by that is if you think about the historical context, right? We're talking thousands of years ago that these scriptures were written. There's no cars, there's no technology, 
right? For them to travel across their nation, which sometimes is probably like us driving across DFW sometimes, would have taken them days, weeks, or months on foot on what we can drive in a few hours, right? The idea that there was no text, there was no emails and how messages were passed and how news was spread in all of this historical context, it matters into how we read our Bibles. The cultural context matters greatly, right? We can read things in God's word and it's really, really shocking. Like why in the world did uh, Solomon have a thousand wives? What is that about? Right, but because what we do is we take our reality and our context and we put it on God's word and we have to be so careful about doing that. And then the third thing is that sometimes we'll, we'll push over and will keep us from understanding it is what is the intended audience? What is the intended audience? Right, who was this passage being written to? Was it being written to a, a Jewish audience or a Greek audience? Was it being written to a church or was it just a love letter to God? Was it um, up to an individual about how to, to preach and to spread the news of Jesus? What was the intended audience? Let me illustrate it to you this way. Uh, I've talked to a number of people that are new to Texas and have moved here from somewhere else. Right, Washington, Colorado, California, wherever it may be. Um, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but my mom is from Texas, so like I had all of this already. But if you're new to the area, you may not realize that bless your heart is not a compliment. <laughs> it's not. Someone says they're fixing to do something, there may be nothing broken, right? We, we use these all the time, like everybody knows what they mean. Someone saying, hey, that person's too big for his or her britches has nothing to do with their weight, <laughs> right? Because the intended audience, right? We take it for granted. It's so important, right? Because we understand things because of where we live and how we perceive life that come into our words and come into our culture all the time but it's so easy for us to ignore those or, or maybe just to forget that that matters when we are reading scripture. And here's why this is so important, is for this book to really impact us, for this book to be able to do what God intended it to do, for his words to be able to change our life, to look into our life and to affect our life. We ha cannot be changing what this book says. We cannot be looking at it in just pieces and taking what we want out of it and what we agree with and ignoring the rest. We have to look at it in its entirety and understand what is it truly saying about certain situations. Hebrews 4.12 says this, this is a powerful scripture. It says, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Do y'all leave that verse up for just a minute? When you look at this, there's so much in this. We could do a whole message on this one verse alone, but it says the word of God is living and it's active. In other words, it has power to speak to you and to read into your life in different ways at different times. 
If you've read the scripture for a period of time, you know you can hear the same verse and on the 24th time you hear it, God uses it to speak something different into your life that it didn't do on the 23 previous times. It's because God's word is living and active and that's why you cannot read this, learn this, ingest it enough because when you need it to speak to you, it may be the time that it speaks to you in exactly the way God intends for it to speak to you. The verse goes on to say that it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow. And I love this, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It's a way to say that God's word will get all up in our business. And that's a scary thing if we're honest, right? Because think about that. Discerning the intentions, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the areas that no one else knows about you other than you. Those are the things that we may not even be aware of about ourselves sometimes, right? Those are the areas that we don't like to talk about. Those are the struggles we have. Those are the, that innate reaction we have to a situation that isn't thought or isn't measured. And God's word has a way to get all up in that and to impact it and to do something in our lives that nothing else can. I wanna give you two areas, two things, that if we will do these, and these are harder than they sound, but if we will do them, God's word can come to life to each of us in a new and in a fresh way. The first one is this, write this down if you're taking notes. We need to take God's word in, take God's word in. A little while back, my wife and I were driving in the car and I think we were headed to the grocery store. I don't really remember where we were heading. And we're sitting there driving and I heard her say something to the effect of, well, what do you think? And I know this has happened to at least two of us in this room because she had been talking and all I heard was, what do you think? And in that moment, I had a very important decision to make, right? Do you fake it till you make it? Or do you fess up and suffer the consequences of not listening? Right, I know know that doesn't happen to y'all, that's just us. But of course, in this instance, I didn't try to fake it till I make it. Sometimes, I'll be honest, that happens, all right? But in this instance, I I said, I'm sorry, baby, I, I wasn't listening, what did you say? And I got the side eye and I got the sigh and the, you don't listen and all of that, right? But just like that happen, can happen in a relationship, I know that can happen at work, right? In our friendships and all of these different areas, we can do this. If we're not careful, we can do that very same thing with God's word in our life, right? You can come into church You can go to a life group, you can listen to a podcast, you can read your Bible, you can do all of these things, you can hear, but you cannot take God's word in, right? Even today, you got up, you got ready, you came to church, you could be sitting in this room and you're just hearing and you're not actually thinking and you're not taking anything in. And if I just paused real awkwardly, right, there's a couple of you that just came back because you're like, oh, what did I miss? But this is how, isn't this how we just, we go about this, right? This is the way our life goes. And, and if we're not careful, we can do this with God's word and we can miss out on the power that it has for our life. 
This happens where things just bounce off of us. And you know, I think part of it is technology, and I'm not hating on technology, it's made access to God's word really, really easy. It's an incredible tool, right? You can, you can open your, your phone and you can go to the Creekwood Church app and you can listen to any message for like the last however many months. Anytime you want, you can get on a podcast and you could listen to Pastor Stephen or any pastor that has a podcast and you can get God's word in your life that way, right? You can open up the Bible app. I use the YouVersion Bible app. It's a great app. You can get the verse of the day, right? There's studies you can do in there. You can even um, have a little accountability or if you wanna call accountability competition uh, with friends about who has the longest streak of reading their Bible, right? It's an incredible tool. But when you think about that, I know for me, it's a great tool that I use, but it's so easy for me to get distracted. And it's also so easy for it to become something that's just a checkbox that we mark, right? Oh, I'm going to read today so I can get my streak to continue, right? Nothing wrong with that, right? It's good to have that accountability. That's what it's there for. But if we're not careful, we can read it and we cannot take it in. I think something that I feel like sometimes we're losing though is an actual paper Bible. Right, growing up, we always used to bring it to church, all that. I'll be honest, even I don't bring it to church all the time. I'm out here running around doing stuff normally on a weekend and I don't always bring this. But there's something about putting my phone down and there's something about, I'm not gonna get the notifications, I'm not gonna get the calendar reminders and I'm gonna focus so that I can really take God's word into my life. There's something about a paper Bible that God can use in a very important way. You know, this one's actually really, really um, special to me because um, I bought this Bible after my son was born and I stole this idea from a friend. I wish I came up with this on my own and I was that spiritual, I'm not. But I stole this idea from a friend because um, this has become my Bible. I had another one, I still have it. Um, but I love to underline and write little things in it when I'm studying or when I hear something. And I got this one and it's actually a student study Bible. And uh, I'm gonna use this and I wanna underline and I wanna mark and I wanna write in it. And then one day when my son's probably in high school or something like that, I wanna give it to him. Right, there's power in that. Some of you, you have your grandparents' Bible, you may have a parent's Bible or something like that and you can open it and you can see the heritage of what God has spoke to your family. You can see literally their tears and what God spoke to them in the midst of uncertainty, right? And that's something that has power to speak to us even in the midst of uncertainty and all sorts of things in our life, right? We've got so many ways to hear God's word, but are we taking God's word in? And I think the other thing that makes that hard is some of you are gonna go, all right, I wanna go out and I wanna go buy a Bible. And you're gonna either, I know there's not a whole lot of bookstores anymore, but maybe you're gonna go to a bookstore or you're gonna go on Amazon and you're gonna look and you're gonna go like, oh my goodness, there's thousands of options. I can get it in any color. I can get my name on it. And then all these translations and versions and what in the world do I do with this? And I think this is something we don't, as a church, hardly ever talk about is how do we actually get a Bible that makes sense to us, that we can read and that we can understand and interact with that we can actually um, get to the point of comprehending. 
So I wanna take just a quick moment and tell you about uh, some translations and versions. These are used interchangeably, as we said, right? The, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew or Greek. So this is something we're all reading a translation unless you speak Hebrew or Greek. We're all reading a translation. So there's three types, three main types. One is a word for word translation. So they take the Bible and they would take the original word and they would translate that word from the original language to English. And then that would become our Bible. These are the word for word translations, our Bibles like the King James Version, the New King James Version, the New American Standard Bible, or the ESV. And if you want a word for word translation, ESV is a really good one, pretty easy to read. That's actually what this Bible is. Um, I also have used the New Living, or sorry, the, uh, I, I've read the New King James Version quite a bit. And then some people though, they will fight you over the King James Version. Some of y'all, y'all got a grandma who will fight you over the King James Version, right? But it's really funny because people will do that like Jesus was from England, right? Because if you don't know that the, the King James is the one that, that basically resourced and called for that version to be done years and years and years ago. So we have word for word translations and then we have thought for thought translations. Um, and this is where they would take a thought or a sentence and they would then translate that from the original language into English. Still extremely accurate. The message is still coming across. Um, these would be uh, translations like the New Living Translation, the Good News, today's English version, the TEV, or the NIV. And the NIV, honestly, it's really a mix between the two. It's not really word for word, but it's also more than a thought for thought. Um, it's the most popular by far. There's not even a close second to the NIV. It is incredibly popular. It's easy to read. You can't go wrong with the NIV. So you have word for word, you have thought for thought. And then there's a third one. And Bible scholars and real hardcore Bible teacher people will often hate these um, because what they do is they take the English translation and they then make that easier for us to read. And they're called paraphrases. This would be something like the Living Bible, the really cool thing about the Living Bible is the guy that did it actually wrote it for his kids to help them understand the Bible. And another really popular one is the message. One of the most popular paraphrases, I've read this one. And here's what I would say about paraphrases is there is a place for them, but it's like a second, should be probably a secondary place to either a word for word or a thought for thought translation. They're amazing Bible study tools because you can read something in a paraphrase and it may illuminate something or make you think about something in a different way. I wanna show this to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Um, passage of scripture known as the love chapter. Everybody loves to put this on their wall or use it in a wedding. The King James Version says this. It would say, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It's hard to read. Unless you read Shakespeare every single week, probably gonna have a little bit of a challenge understanding it. The NIV would take that exact same verse and it would say it this way. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, right? A lot easier to understand. I can get that, I can go, okay, I can see how this is how love is supposed to work. A paraphrase, the message would take it and it would say it like this. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. 
Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, right? Message is still the same. Still is telling you what it needs to convey, but it can make you think about it in a different way, right? Love is not gonna just shove it down somebody's throat. It's not gonna sit there and say, look at me. It's not gonna do those things. And that is where the different translations can come in. The one other thing I would tell you is this, a great tool is to get what's called a study Bible. A study Bible, you'll see that, you'll see regular Bibles and you'll see study Bibles. And it's simply this, and this is a study Bible. In the top section is verses and in the bottom is um, a commentary about those verses. So if you're reading and you go, I don't know what this verse means. Like, what is this? It doesn't make sense. You can actually just go down and read chapter two, verse two will be right below it on the page. And you can read an explanation of that. It's an amazing, amazing tool. But here's why this is important. And here's why taking God's word in is, is something that we must do in our life. Matt, would you bring me that cup? So, Matt's bringing me a cup of hot water and this hot water is like our life, right? This is our life. And this tea bag is like the word of God in our life. And when we come to church, when we go to life group, maybe we catch the verse of the day and we get a little bit of it in our life, right? It has, and begins to have just a little bit of impact in our life, right? This is still water, you're probably not gonna pay for this at a restaurant as tea, right? In fact, you'd be like, can I get a clean glass, please? Right, but this, this is what the word of God does because the minute it gets into our life, it begins to impact our life. But what God says is he says, hey, when you will really immerse yourself into it, something will begin to happen in your life. I love what Colossians 3.16 says about the word of God. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? There's a big difference between, hey, I'm gonna just get in it a little and I'm gonna dwell in it, right? And that is our goal if, because if I will take my life and I will let the word of God dwell in my life, then I can do number two. And that is, I cannot just hear God's word and take it in, but I can actually take God's word to heart. I can take God's word to heart. You see, it's not just about reading it. It's not just about checking it off. It's about resting in it, meditating in it, thinking in it and chewing on it a little bit. I love what King David said in Psalms 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And Psalms 119 is all about David's love for the scriptures, for the law at the time, and uh, about this love that he had with that. Verses 97 and 98, it's that long. Say this, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So he says, I love it. I think about it. It's something I'm chewing on, I'm meditating on, I'm thinking on all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. And you see King David, he realized that if he would do that, it had an impact on his life. It's like this, and this is a little gross, but it's like a cow eating hay. If you've ever been around, uh, been around cows, you know that they like never seem to stop chewing. In fact, 
on the way home, if you pass cows, it's Texas, you could. Look at them and they're like always chewing. It's because what they do is when they eat something, when they eat grass, they eat hay and they're chewing on it and they swallow it. And it's gross, but then they throw it up in their mouth and they chew on it a little bit more and they extract every bit of nutrients out of it that they can. And they swallow it and they do that again and again and again. And that is the best picture that I could come up with for what we should be doing with the word of God in our life, right? You're never gonna forget that. And maybe when you go eat lunch in a little bit, you'll be like, oh, that's a little gross. Sorry, I had to, but we should read it. We should think about it and we should come back to it a little later over and over again, because if this really has power for us and it's living and it's active, it will continue to speak to us and to reveal things to us and to impact our life. I wanna leave you with five extremely practical Bible study tools because I've fallen into this, right? When I grew up, I always heard in church, you gotta read your Bible, you gotta read your Bible, you gotta read your Bible, right? But how do you do that? So the first way you can do that is you can do what's called casual reading. You can pick up your Bible, you can open it and start it in, in a chapter or in a, in a book. Uh, you can even start at the front of it and read it all the way to the back. It's called casual reading and I'm gonna read a chapter at a time or a section at a time. And God will show me things, he, and this has happened to me. He'll speak to you as you're reading and as you're reading through it, Bible in the year reading plans, things like that fall into this. So you have casual reading. Then you have something that can take your reading to a little bit of a deeper depth. It's called spiritual reading. Spiritual reading where you read a passage of scripture, a section or, or a chapter, and, and then you would sit there and you would pray. You would pray about what you read. God, help me to live this out. God, show me what you're trying to speak to me about this. And you sit and you would pray about what you just read. And then you would go on to meditate on it, which is, means you think about it, you contemplate it. It sits with you throughout the day and you purposely, maybe you gotta set a reminder on your phone, but you come back to it throughout the day. So you have casual reading, spiritual reading. The third is a term we throw around a lot called Bible study, Bible study. And, and that can actually mean a lot of this, but what really what Bible study is, is I'm gonna spend time in God's word, diving in to understand the context of it. Who was it written to? What, when they say something, what did that mean to the audience and the people at the time, right? If they said, bless your heart, do I understand what God's word is? is saying. Concordances and commentaries come into to, to this kind of Bible reading, right? Where you are reading what does a biblical scholar or someone uh, with a big theological background that's got a lot of letters in front of their name, right? What do they say about this? So that way it stretches my understanding and pushes my understanding to another level. The fourth is Bible journaling. And I know this doesn't sound like a really manly thing, but this is something I have done and has been impactful in my life in different seasons. But where you read a passage of scripture, you read a chapter and you literally write, what is God speaking to you in this? And, and then the next time you sit down, you, you date it and you, and you say, this is what I read and you write it out again and you do that. 
Because one, when I'm writing out what God's speaking to me, I'm internalizing it, right? I'm meditating on it, but it also gives me something to come back to, right? You need God to speak into your life. You need him to impact your life. You're in the midst of a depth and a darkness that may be in a season of your life you've never known. And your tears and your crying out to God is something that you can look back at. I remember my mom had a, my mom had a, a, a journal that she had that actually had a date and it had this year and next year above and below each other. And I thought that was always a really cool tool because then when you're going through that for the second time, you can see what God spoke to you in the first time and how he uses his word in different ways. And then the last one is a powerful tool called Bible memorization. And before you have like negative flashbacks to junior high about memorizing things, let me say this. If you struggle with a really negative thought life, this will be one of your biggest offensive weapons against that. And that is you, you literally might write out a flashcard or a st- on a sticky note or something. And you take the time to memorize passages of scripture. And then when you're dealing with those attacks of the enemy and those negative thought lives, you can proclaim the word of God over your life and over those thoughts. And you see, if you'll do this, if you'll take God's word in and you will take his word to heart, then this is what happens, right? The value of your life, the richness of your life, the aroma that your life puts off will increase. All of a sudden, this cup of water that I wouldn't pay for at a store, right? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for going to lunch today. And now is something that I'm like, can I, get some, can I get some sugar and some ice and make me some sweet tea out of this, right? I'm, it has more value. It has, it has more worth all of a sudden because of what I put in it, right? We are what we put into our life. And God's word says that it will not return void in our life. Over and over again in scripture, we see that if we will live this out, if we will take this, and we will apply it in our life, God is gonna use it in a very powerful way to impact our life. Do something new, do something different and watch what happens. And I challenge you, what do you have to lose? Take, take six months, take a year, commit to reading this and then come back and tell me that it didn't impact your life in a powerful, powerful way. Would you bow your heads with me today? You know, when you're facing the battles of life, the craziness of the everyday, are you trying to do it on your own or are you doing something that may not be flashy? It's probably something nobody else outside of your family ever sees. But something that according to God, will impact your life in a huge way. It is our only offensive weapon to fight the battles of life with. You know, if you're in this place or listening today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, that's a decision that you can make right there. You can simply say a prayer like you're talking to a friend and you can say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned. 
know that you died on the cross to pay the price for all my sins and all my failures. Would you come into my life? I wanna make you my Lord and my Savior. And right there, you can begin a relationship with Jesus. For those that have already made that commitment today, God, I pray that you would give us the strength, the resolve, God, to go deeper into your word. God, that it would be something that we don't take for granted, that we don't do just to mark off a list. And God, if we've never stepped into it, that you would help us to take some steps, to step into your word, God, and that as we do, Father, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would change lives, that you would impact our life unlike anything else that we've ever done or tried or experimented with. God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would bless us, that you would lead us, and that you would guide us throughout this next week. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like the content of this podcast, you're gonna love our YouTube channel. Subscribe at youtube.com slash creekwoodchurch for video messages and full services uploaded weekly.